Welcome to a special five-part podcast series on the new Treliant, sponsored by Treliant. Over this five-part podcast series, we will discuss what is new at the company and key issues that Treliant is helping to lead and define in the online training industry going forward. Over this five-part series, I will visit with Treliant CEO, John Arendez, Maggie Smith, Vice President for Human Resources, Scott Schneider, Head of Content Development. I know you will enjoy this special five-part podcast series on the new Treliant. First, a word about Treliant. The mission to transform compliance training from boring to brilliant. Treliant's award-winning training helps organizations create and maintain respectful, inclusive workplaces. Treliant's modern approach to e-learning is designed to motivate positive behavior through realistic video scenarios and up-to-date content that is interactive, easy to customize, and connects with today's mobile workforce. Treliant currently serves 8,000 organizations across industries and geographies. In this concluding episode five, I'm joined again by Scott Schneider, and we take a look at anti-bribery and corruption training. Hello, everyone. This is Tom Fox back for another episode. And today I have with me Scott Schneider, and we're going to take up my favorite topic of anti-bribery, anti-corruption. So, Scott, first of all, welcome, and thank you so much for taking the time to visit with me. It's my pleasure. Scott, could you tell us your role at Treliant? I am the head of content. So a thousand years ago, I was a practicing lawyer, a big law firm in Los Angeles, handling environmental issues, and then have worked in the world of compliance for, gosh, uh, after about 10 years of practice. So uh, I've seen Bribery issues from both sides. So, Scott, that bribery is, of course, one of the core com- components of compliance, and it has been so uh, probably for at least the last 20 years as the Department of Justice ramped up and began uh, significant prosecutions under the Foreign Corrupt Practices Act. But I wanted to maybe start with asking you, is bribery, if not more difficult, trickier to train on than other corporate topics that you and your colleagues at Treliant uh, do so on? You know, I think it is. Um, Whenever I think about training, I think about sort of three movers. There's the sort of management leadership perspective. You know, how are you paying people? How are you setting goals for them? How are you promoting them? You've got the culture issue, which is a little different. It's, you know, are you a win-at-all-cost culture? Are you a we-do-the-right-thing culture? And then you've got training. And training is a really important part of any solution. Um, it gives people the information they need and the guidance they need. But especially in bribery, those first two movers, management and culture, are really powerful. And so if you've got those movers pulling against training, well, let me say it the positive way. If you have all three movers pushing in the same direction, training is really impactful because it gives people information and guidance that they can use. If you've got the first two pulling against, then training is not going to help very much. Right? It's just going to be noise in the background. Um, and the tough part, I think, for training practically is that in most companies, it's a mixed bag. There are some incentives, uh, in, institutional incentives that push them to do the wrong thing. There are some that push them to do the right thing. And training can kind of get lost in between there. So about five years ago, the Department of Justice started talking about uh, training effectiveness or uh, effective training. And they enshrined those uh, remarks, which had been in enforcement actions in the original 
evaluation of corporate compliance programs released in April of 2019. They were carried forward in the update to the evaluation of corporate compliance programs issued on June of uh, 2020. And so I wanted to maybe start with what is effective training? When is training effective? And, and maybe from there, how do you determine effectiveness? But maybe we could start with, in your opinion, Scott, what is effective training? That's tricky. I think that uh, effective training has a context. So you're looking at everything that's going on in the organization, all the messages that are being delivered. Um, and then training has to do some do some heavy lifting for you. I think in, it, in some ways it's very simple, in some ways it's not. So like you have to, the training should shift the perspective, the point of view of the, the learner. Uh, I was talking to somebody in-house and they said, my people always understood that you can't give money to foreign officials. Uh, so they sent gift cards instead because gift cards are somehow different. <laughs> uh, and uh, you, so you, you kind of have to broaden the issue. You've got agents, you know, you've got local agents that you may have been working with for 10 years and they're miracle workers and they're wonderful. And no one thinks about, well, you know, are we doing due diligence? Are we making sure that they're doing the things they should be doing? Or are they miracle workers because they're doing some things they shouldn't do? So sort of shifting that point of view to say, I need to think about these issues. It's, it's a lens I need to look at my world through. Um, I think you have to give practical guidance. Like, what do I do when my product is stuck on a loading dock someplace? Is it okay to slip someone 20 bucks? Or who do I talk to in our organization? Um, and then I think you have to candidly have a conversation and say, look, we know these are hard issues. Like, you've got a lot writing on this. So we want to help you make the right decision, and we want to make sure that we're supporting the decisions that you're making. So it's got to do, it's got to operate on a lot of levels, and that makes it harder than most, I think. Uh, yeah, you really uh, said a lot in there. Let's see if I can unpack a little bit of it. You talked about uh, some specific information needs to be given, and the Department of Justice has communicated that they want to see targeted training for those that are either gatekeepers or have a greater responsibility, uh, you mentioned sales agents or third-party agents. I think most people are aware they're the highest risk. But uh, my wife works in IT in a large multinational corporation. And as part of her work, I know uh, she works on SAP. And so there are some components that uh, people may not think of as a gatekeeper, but down in accounts payable, uh, there, there may actually be gatekeeper roles. So how do you help a company uh, think through the people that need the information, the additional information that uh, you mentioned, really in a targeted way, but it gives them the information to at least uh, know what to watch for or uh, how to raise their hand and ask for help if they see something? Yeah, yeah you know, it, it, there's no easy answer. I think it, it boils down to those two dreaded words, risk management. You have to know your organization and know how it does business and then spend some time and effort and resources figuring out where the weak points are, like where are things getting through? Where can we intercept things? For some organizations, it may be IT folks. For others, it may not be them at all. Um, but if you if you sort of assess what you do and how you do it and where the risk lie, then you can begin um, addressing them. And, you know, for most organizations, they're probably not going to address them all at once. There's just too much to do. So start with the risk areas that are greatest um, and then work down from there. Um, and I think the other thing is to, to just make following rules or, or understanding the rules um, a priority um, and give people as much training as, as they can use um, so that if they are in positions where they can help, they get it. If they're not, they don't need to. 
Uh, you've mentioned culture more than once. Can specific anti-bribery, anti-corruption training uh, essentially cross-reference or talk about culture and then vice versa to help reinforce both ideas of a, of a corporate culture and specific ABC training? Yeah, I mean, I, I think it can and should. It's easier in other areas when you have something like respect or harassment. Everybody understands they want a positive workplace and they understand what it's like to be disrespected. Um, bribery is a little bit more rare in that sense, rarefied in that sense. Um, but I think if you link it back to uh, leadership, what leadership is saying and doing, and you lead it back to values, then I think that component, that culture component can come through. I don't think the training itself will, will generate the culture, but if you have those initiatives in place, then linking back to them becomes a powerful motivator for people who are taking training because you, you've made it clear that that matters. I was really intrigued by how you tied effective training really to an overall risk management strategy, starting with understanding your risks. And so if you're a, a pharmaceutical company or a, a food company and you have perishable items, whether it's pharmaceuticals or whether it's fresh food, uh, that could be your highest risk. How do you determine or how do you maybe help uh, not so much help a company do a risk assessment, but when you're sitting down with a new client, how do you help uh, find out the things that you think they need some specific practical guidance on? You know, the, the, the single hardest part for us sometimes is helping the client understand who their audience is, uh, who their audience is in terms of just who receives training. You know, have you thought about these folks? Have you thought about those folks? Um, but also what what's pushing their the buttons of, the, of their audience? Like what do they care about? And so if you get those two things together, who needs to understand who needs this training and then what how do you how are you going to impact them you you take a big step forward but i'm always surprised at the number of folks when you run through do you have operations do you have warehouses do you have you, know, you run through the list of folks you might think about uh you frequently hear someone say oh not to the point i hadn't thought about them <laughs> so that's that larger systemic issue is both a starting point and an end point for for most companies the um maybe i uh the reverse of paying a bribe is how to resist paying a bribe. Do you ever help companies uh, put together training around specific scenarios? And let me go back to our, our fish on the dock. Uh, if there's fish on the dock, uh, you know, what are the things, some of the things they might be able to do, or do they just need to elevate that and bring in additional resources? You know, that, that's a, that, that goes right to what to be in training. Um, when I first started in this industry many years ago, everyone was concerned about creating what they called jailhouse lawyers, you know, non-professionals who were, were given training and now they thought they were experts. Um, and I think that, that that goes to it. Do you want to send a message that these are complicated issues and so you've got folks who will help you or do you want to try to educate them? You've got two different streams. You're going to line, land up in the middle someplace. Um, I think for a lot of folks, uh, the natural inclination for the frontline worker is to find a way to cheat. Not really bribe, but you know, bend the rules, or this is the way it's done. So I think it is really important that they understand that there are rules, that people at the company care, and that more importantly, there are people at the company who will help them get done what needs to get done in the way it needs to get done. Uh, so you kind of lessen the, the the likelihood that maybe they'll try to cut corners a bit. Scott, one of the themes uh, we've uh, hit on in this podcast is really risk, risk management, assessing your risk, and then managing your own risk. But let me go back to uh, a concept you talked about when we started this podcast, which you call the three movers. 
And I really like the way that you talked about management leadership, setting a tone in various uh, strategies, culture, and training. And and you really, uh, or at least I understood you to say, uh, you can't look at one in a vacuum. You really have to look at all together to have uh, an effective or ethical uh, business that does, a company that does business and compliance. When you have conversations, do you hear with your clients, they understand uh, this bigger picture uh, approach that you can take, uh, or is that something that uh, you still is a challenge to communicate? You know, I think they get it. The issue is whether the company will support it. Okay, when these big bribery cases come down, the person who gave someone $10 million or bought them a, a condo in New York, they, they weren't under the misimpression that that would be okay. There were just incentives in place. They were going to get paid a bunch of money if the deal closed. They were going to get promoted. They were going to keep their job. So it's not so much, gosh, you know, I didn't understand that. It, the question is, will management support me? Is management willing to walk away from a deal where the only way we can get it is by paying someone? And so they understand the concept well enough. The question is implementation. Like, do they have this management support it? Can they, does management have their back? If they do, all is good. If they don't, that's where they're, they're struggling, I think. Do you, uh, one of the other things the Department of Justice has communicated to us is they like to see, in addition to effective training and targeted training, moving to shorter messaging. Um, Is that something you've seen be effective where a company could put out a, a 61 second, 120 second, three-minute, four-minute focused video or communication around an anti-bribery issue and have that uh, be impactful? I think it can. Um, I always think about, I mean, I work in the online training industry, so I'm biased in that way. But I think, you know, like an online training course, a 30-minute course on bribery can kind of level the playing field. So everyone kind of gets the basics. And then after that, I think you can begin to have much shorter pieces um, where it can be an email, it can be a lunch and learn, it could be your managers taking 10 minutes to talk about the importance of this subject to the organization. Um, and everybody who comes to those meetings or comes to that messaging comes with a basic understanding of the issues. So I think that working together, um, helping people get the bigger picture and then reminding people of that picture is important. You know, it's, it's like code training in a way. Um, if you spend a little time talking about bribery, you will educate people on some points, but more importantly, you'll remind them that you care about bribery and you care about getting it right. And I think that most employees are actually rational. If you clearly identify what you want them to do and you align the incentives, they'll absolutely do what you want them to do. Uh, if, if the message or the incentives are muddled, I think that's where you get in trouble and that's where shorter training uh, isn't as effective. Well, Scott, unfortunately, we are near the end of our time for this episode, but I was wondering if our listeners wanted any more information on yourself or any of the topics we've touched on in this podcast, what would be the best place for them to go? Uh, They can always go to our website, which is Treliant.com. They can also reach out to me on my LinkedIn profile. Uh, The name is Scott Schneider, S-C-H-N-E-I-D-E-R. And uh, if you message me there, I'll be happy to, to respond, spark a conversation, or put you in touch with the resources you need. Well, Scott, I wanted to thank you again for taking the time to visit with me, and I look forward to continuing this conversation. Me too. This is Tom Fox. I hope you've enjoyed this five-part podcast series on the new Treliant. I hope you will check out Treliant's website, www.treliant.com, 
for more information on Treliant, but more importantly, some great resources that can help you in your online training. This special five-part podcast series, which has been sponsored by Treliant, is a production of the Compliance Podcast Network, the only podcast network in compliance. Thanks so much for listening.